As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. This week's podcast is brought to you by Bill Taylor Enterprises. BTE is a manufacturing, design, and support company that specializes in high-performance automatic transmission assemblies and components for drag racing, off-road, marine, and street performance. With over 50 years of experience in drag racing, BTE has been a trendsetter and innovator, placing themselves and their customers ahead of the pack. everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in Sportsman Drag Racing and the stars within it. It's time for the big interview. On the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. All right, guys. Joining us tonight is Kyle Seipel. We all know Kyle as the co-promoter of the Fling brand, and we typically would bring Kyle in on the eve of one of his and Peter Biondo's events to talk about the event. Obviously, the Spring Fling Million coming up next week, so this is normally what we had talked to Kyle about. But tonight we want to talk about more of a story of trials and tribulations and challenges and ultimately triumph Kyle's personal journey that he's taken since late summer of 2018. So without further ado, it's great to have Kyle Seipel on the phone with us tonight. Big Nasty, how you doing, bud? Doing good, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Always a pleasure. What part of the world are you in tonight? Just so everybody knows where you know, you're at. We're in California. I'm uh going to leave tomorrow afternoon for the uh, Vegas national event and uh, race a little bit of super stock, but I'm in California here at uh, my little uh, Pleasanton office. Yeah. So before we talk about what I alluded to in the intro, you got some racing that you're doing right now. You're wheeling a pretty bad hot rod, bud. Yeah. You know, it's pretty cool to be honest with you. I, 
be the first to admit that when I was growing up, I didn't have the best equipment. And, uh, you know, I've kind of fallen into this Chevy Topo. You know, it's uh, not many people that can say that they're bracket racing or super stock racing a $200,000 automobile. And uh, here I am, a longtime friend, family friend, Larry Stone, that owns a Chevy dealership. I've been friends with him for about 15 years now. And uh, he gave me a call. He's like, hey, I got a, I got a Topo uh, that... Uh, my son was going to race, but some, some things uh, fell through uh, the cracks. And uh, would you have any interest in driving it? And I was triple zero. I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll drive that. And typical Kyle Seipel uh, perspective. You know, I don't, I can't get it to the track. I can't tune on it, but I can certainly get it down the track. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I have, I have a helmet and I have vinyl, but how do you uh, want me to get this car to the track? And Anyway, long story short is uh, he works out a deal with Justin Lamb where he gets a, the car to the track and Justin and Chris uh, maintain it and they tune it. And my job is to let go of the button and try to turn on wind lights. And, uh, you know, very, very fortunate and uh, looking forward to racing that car this year for sure. Yeah, we definitely hope to see you do well and get out there doing what you love and what you are really good at, too. So before we get rolling down the path that we're going to go down, Kyle, Let's just summarize your last 10 years. Things going really well. It's the spring fling, fall fling brand is, is amazing. It's, it's getting the attention and from all around racing and the desire to be there is like no other. You guys add the third event uh, several years ago in Vegas. Now you're just coast to coast and you're doing it big time. Beautiful family, beautiful daughter, beautiful son, beautiful wife. Life is good. You're full-time working for Bracket Races Incorporated or LLC, and you got amazing partners in Peter and Emily right up until last summer when you got some news that nobody really expects or ever wants to hear. Yeah, you know, uh, made a trip to the to the dentist. Dennis says, uh, "Hey, you got something uh, kind of strange in your tongue. I, I would get to get to the doctor, and uh, you know, okay, yeah, no problem." So go to uh the family doctor and uh, he says yeah you know we're gonna have to send you to a ear nose and throat specialist all right no problem so go there go to the ear nose and throat specialist takes a look at it. it's like yeah you know we're gonna have to do a do a, a biopsy on your tongue and you know me and my and my percentages i said well what what's the percentage chance that that you know this could be something serious he's like ah i'd say about one percent chance this is something serious so all right so i, I sleeping like a baby, you know, 1% chance to me. He's like, why am I, why are we, why are we even going through this whole, whole ordeal? You know? So two days later, after seeing the ear, nose and throat specialist, I go in and he shoots my tongue full of some type of Novocaine or something. And he cuts off a couple pieces and says, all right, we'll send this to pathology and we'll let you know what we find out. Two days later, I'm in the backyard with Hudson, my five-year-old. He's, uh, he's squirting me with a water hose and, uh, get a random phone, phone call, phone number on my phone. And, uh, Pick up the phone and it's a doctor. He says, "Hey, uh, this is uh, forget his name. I've been seeing so many doctors at this point, but uh, Doctor So and So, uh, and your pathology came back." I'm like, "All right, yeah, what's going on?" He says, "Well, he's a tell you, but you have squamous cell cancer." And I said, uh, "What was that again?" You know, my son, he still squirt me with a hose. You know, <laughs> I could barely understand. He says, "Yeah, you have squamous cell cancer, and we want you to do a in uh, in two days." We want you to do a CT scan, a PET scan, and we'll just take it from there. I'm like, okay, so how exactly do you spell spawn? I'm making all these notes as I know that uh, I'm going to have to do a little bit of research on what the heck's going on here. So hang up with him, and uh, 
two days later, I get a, get a CT scan at the, the local hospital. And the day after that, uh, I get a, a PET scan. So basically the reason for doing that is they, they want to see exactly how, uh, if, the, if the cancer has spread further than just your tongue and that sort of thing. So get those two scans done. Now I have a surgeon that's assigned to me, which is very actually a, a surgeon that after I did a lot of research on was one of the top surgeons in all of the Bay Area. I was very fortunate to, to get called upon. Uh, he went to school at NYU, did his internship at the Mayo Clinic. And uh, anyways, so I, my wife and I go and see him and he says, all right, well, it looks like that the cancer is just relegated to your, to your head and neck and tongue area. Doesn't look like that uh, it is any further. So now we just have to do a, a pretty substantial surgery. It's like about a six or seven hour surgery. Get that cancer uh, out of your your head and neck and your tongue. And then uh, most likely what will happen is you might have a little bit of radiation. And then uh, the thing should be, should, should be back to normal. So, so at that point, I believe timing-wise, it was about a Six or seven weeks from then is when they wanted to do the, the surgery. So in between then, we had this, the Bristol fling, and then um, the management, the Sonoma track these days, and they had the ET finals. So, you know, I was happy that uh, I could still be able to attend those two that were very uh, close and dear to my heart for obvious reasons. So we go and do those two events, and then uh, the Tuesday after the ET finals, we go in for the, for the seven-hour surgery. And everything went fine there. Well, and one of the part that was an important part is they said, you know, after looking at the skin, it looks like that the cancer might be in one of your tonsils. And that's not a good thing because if you have cancer in one of your tonsils, along with the other, uh, the cancer in your tongue, those are most likely two different forms of cancer. And that's, that's not good news. So anyway, I have to live for that for like seven weeks to, before they, before they find out. So anyways, go through the surgery, uh, wake up. First question I have for my wife is, what's still the tonsil? Is it good or bad? Yeah, good. everything is good. No cancer in your tonsil. So spend about three days in the hospital there. I do find out that they had to also take out about 35 to 40 lymph nodes because they did have uh, signs of cancer in one of my lymph nodes. So the downside to that that I find out is that what they originally thought was going to be just having some radiation is now you're going to have to have uh, chemotherapy and uh, radiation. Don't apologize, but it's not necessary. So what that entails is you get, uh, they want you to recover from the surgery so your body is well enough to be able to, to handle the, the chemo and radiation. So you got three rounds of chemo, which is once every two weeks. And then that same time frame when you have the chemo, you have 30 radiation sessions. So 30 radiation sessions, which is every single day, but they give you weekends off. So basically you have 30 rounds of radiation, three rounds of chemo. When you work out the math, it's about a six or seven week process. All right, so sign me up. I mean, what, uh, <laughs> uh, let's do everything we can to, to try to get clear of this stuff. So I leave the hospital. I'm home from the hospital for about... 20 minutes and I can't breathe. I have uh, quite a bit of saliva in my mouth, blah, blah, blah. Long story short is uh, the apparatus I was using at the hospital 
I didn't realize how much I was relying on that. So I get admitted back to the, to the ER, uh, spend 36 hours there, and then everything's good. Then I go back home. So my neck is still very swollen. They said, you know, in the next week or two, the swelling should go down, and then we'll start the radiation chemo within a couple weeks after that. So about three days after I'm home, my neck is just getting bigger and bigger. Like, and I'm like, wow, I, I thought for sure that it was supposed to go down. So I said, you know what? I better go see my surgeon. I just have a feeling something was wrong. So I go and see the surgeon. He says, oh, yeah, it looks like your neck is infected. Oh, okay, great, great. So what's the plan there? Well, we got to uh, drain your neck and then uh, give you some meds and you should be fine. So right in the, he starts, uh, he has to slice open that little slice to get the, the infection out. And uh, so they use a little suction. Y'all know that I'm getting very graphic here, but they get the infection out. Nurse that's in the <laughs> in the doctor's office passes out because she couldn't handle uh, all the drainage, let's just say. So then they have to uh, give me some measure to get rid of the infection. And he says, well, I hate to tell you this, but you're going to spend three days in the hospital because we can't have you sent home because we have to do, make sure that we get to the right meds to where where we can fight this infection off and uh, there's no way around that you're not going back to the hospital. So anyways, get through that. And finally on uh, the mending ways and then uh, put us about 10 days, 10 days later than they originally wanted to start the radiation chemo because, uh, because of, uh, because of the infection. But anyways, uh, so now, now we start the, the radiation chemo. The radiation entails uh, having to go to uh, a, a doctor's office that uh, specializes in this sort of thing uh, once a day, every day, Monday through Friday. Unfortunately, the way that the type of cancer that I have is you have to uh, go in and you have to wear this mask where they bolt you on the table. You have six little snaps on the table and they have these marks on your mask and that's where they know exactly where to shoot the radiation in. So, you know, that's... Uh, that in itself took a, it uh, wasn't easy thing to deal with. And I uh, got through that and uh, went there once, once a day for 30 days on no weekends once again. And then uh, within that time period, once every two weeks, you got to go to the doctor and get some chemo that, uh, you know, was, was no fun either. But the bottom line is we got through it, have a whole new perspective is uh, pretty much the bottom line. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I can sit here and I can complain that uh, that I'm down 60 pounds and I talk different and lost all, most of my hearing. And uh, I'm also racing. And I can tell you one thing, after going through all this, I just ran quite a bit over at Tucson. And most runs, the honest truth is, is I couldn't tell you who got there first, second, who had a better light or what, but, which really hits home because I'll drive the Copo and it's a new car and, uh, I kind of blame a new car. Then I started driving Andy Morris's dragster there, which I've driven like the last 20 years. And shoot, the first run I made in that thing, I felt like I was on top fuel. Like it's, uh, <laughs> my, my brain, my brain was so far behind the car, you know, it's eighth mile race. And I think by the time I got to 400 foot, I finally realized uh, where I was almost, but um, you know, it, that, once again, it's just perspective. Like I can sit here and complain about those things we just talked about, but, I'm in the, in the hospital. I've been uh, people in the hospital, people at the radiation center, people the, uh, getting chemo. You know, um, there was a, a lot that uh, weren't uh, nearly as fortunate as that was. Sure. Uh, I mean, 
I couldn't imagine the the mental and physical challenge that that this produces or presents for you and your emotion right now I understand is raw and and certainly understandable but Kyle you know where do you find the strength to pick yourself up cuz I, I know the world has been by your side and and offered their support but that only goes so far. There's got to be something within you. Where do you find that? I had peaks and valleys. You know? I went through uh, periods where you're like, "Why me? Why does this happen? Like, uh, you know, this is this isn't right." And I think the biggest thing for me is that when I was about a week into the radiation, I was going through a a bad bad little spell, and I finally just made it competitive. You know, I'm a happy-go-lucky guy, let's say, but you know, I'm super competitive. Uh, when it comes to business or racing, let's just say, I decided that that's the perspective I wanted to put on it to where I'm not going to let this thing beat me. So, you know, radiation-wise, uh, just basically told myself, listen, it's me, it's this radiation machine, this mask it's against cancer, and, you know, I'm not going to let it get the best of me. And once I got to that perspective, it, it certainly helped out. And, you know, you, you do a lot of soul searching, you you I'm not much of a reader, but uh, I look up a lot of videos. I, I shared some, I think, with Luke even. But, uh, you know, you try to use other people's experience to get a perspective. And uh, that certainly helped, too. I mean, uh, no matter how bad you think you have it, there's always somebody that has it worse. And uh, I think that helped out quite a bit also. Kyle, you shared your journey, like, almost from a, a clinical standpoint. And obviously the raw emotion coming through is, you know, evident and visible to all of us. I'm curious, like, as you walk through all of those anxious moments and the not knowing and the, the various phases of getting hit with a new hurdle and you can't know coming into it what you're getting into, like, I, I guess what I'm curious is, is, is there any one moment that stands out as maybe being the scariest of all of that going through what you've been through? Not really. When I did the surgery, I was so ready. You know, I had this tumor that was growing inside my mouth, barely got through the brace at Bristol, barely got through the ET finals. I remember getting wheeled in that cart. It was kind of like a movie. Like, you know, I'm on the cart. I've been waiting for this time. I got my gown on and all that. And they wheel you inside this room with all these lights. And it's like, wow, you know, this is, this is really going to happen. But at that point, I was no nerves, no nothing like I was ready, like, let's start feeling better, but I basically had enough. But uh, other than that, you know, there really wasn't one spot. It was just your mind keeps testing you to where I can't really put into words, but uh, there wasn't one point that I said, wow, this is, I, I can't take any more. It's just, you know, it, uh, I have just kept thinking my kids, my wife, my business partner, everybody that stood behind me, they're counting on me. So, Sounds silly, but I don't want to let anybody down. I got a lot that uh, I still want to accomplish in life, and, and uh, you know that was the biggest motivation for sure. And Kyle, you had procedure shortly before Pomona. Could racing season have come along at a better time? I mean, you've got you've got your your flings happening. You've got your own personal racing. You know, I imagine that had to be quite an uplift to, to give you something to occupy that time, take some of those thoughts away, and keep you active, which has got to be a good thing. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, when I got word from Larry Stone and, and uh, the Lamb family that I was going to race that Copo, I mean, that was motivation in itself. You know, it, uh, I don't, I've been very fortunate in my racing career, but on the same lines, like I say, I, I grew up racing cars that weren't the top line of equipment, uh, top of the line equipment. And here I have this opportunity to race a car that, uh, you know, that, that I would feel for. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to let, uh, this cancer gets the best of me, but yes, uh, back to that, the, the timing of it couldn't be better, you know, uh, on the same token, I've had to rely on, on Peter and Emily for that matter to, to really take up the slack and the, and the flings and, and, uh, you couldn't ask for a better business partner. You know, I told him I was sick. He basically said, listen, whatever it takes, you just get better and, and I'll handle, I'll handle the business. And, uh, from a business perspective, you can't ask for a better business partner, best friend to, uh, to say that. And he says, you know, you just take all the, all the time you need to get better. We'll get through this. So, yep. Yep. For sure. And no doubt, uh, you, you're surrounded by wonderful people and, you know, that's, um, that's no surprise out of uh, Peter and Emily to, to take up the slack, but I can see that you're still working hard. You're obviously on the verge here next week at the spring fling million, most likely to be the largest one ever um you know that has to be uh, that has to be raising your spirits and and helping you get through some challenges that still remain i know you're not uh, done with this yet i know it's still a battle but uh, all that all the success and good things that are happening around you right now has got to have you feeling a little better for sure oh yeah without a doubt without a doubt it's definitely keeping me occupied and uh right feel uh, confident we're going to have the biggest fling event that we've ever had uh, prior in Las Vegas. Uh, we've got a lot of good momentum there and, uh, you know, family and friends on my side and all uh, all my employees at Sonoma Raceway have my back. And, uh, you know, yeah, without a doubt, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to 2019, that's for sure. Yeah. Kyle, I know you've had, you've mentioned, uh, you know, a little bit of the immense support that you've had from those close to you, obviously from the racing community at large, um, is probably a difficult question to like single anyone out. But I know that there were a handful of people that really reached out to you that had been through similar experiences. Like, was there any one person or conversation that really stands out in your mind uh, of the many that you had trying to work through this? Yeah, you know, uh, that's one thing that this whole ordeal, uh, I don't lose perspective on. Uh, there's really two people that were my that were my go-to. Um, Todd Beavis, who uh, builds race cars, and um, uh, never even said one word to him prior to this uh, diagnosis. Uh, Jason Shade, Shade from Mark Williams, a good buddy of mine, when I told him what I was going through, he says, "Listen, uh, a good buddy of mine, Todd Beavis, went through the identical thing that you went through, and I think it, it would be good for you to talk to him." You know, as much research as you do online, the first thing you find is everything is very negative. Uh, very few positives to to be drawn from 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 uh, from this diagnosis. And uh, speaking of Todd, he had been through. He had the identical cancer, tongue cancer. I had. Uh, he didn't have radiation chemo, but he had radiation, and he he had a good perspective there. Um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time texting him back and forth on what. Uh, what I should be, uh, basically he gave me, uh, 
what I should be expecting from the different phases. And that, that helped out a lot. And that was basically prior to surgery, through surgery, post-surgery. I mean, I, I wore him out via text message and, uh, I, I, I couldn't ask for somebody I've never met face to face to to give me that amount of time. So that was cool. Prior to the surgery, Don Schumacher had reached out to me. You know, Don Schumacher, I might have said hello and goodbye sort sort of thing, but never had much of a conversation with him. And uh, Jeff Foster from LVMS reached out to uh, the Schumacher group. And before you know it, Don, Don had gave me a phone call. Uh, he had uh, tongue cancer, and I had about a 45-minute conversation with him. Gave me some more perspective on what what I'm going to be going through, and some suggestions he made. And uh, you know, once again, uh, those two people uh, certainly made uh, the whole process uh, a lot more bearable. Just just so I could I could get some feedback through somebody that had been through this ordeal, which is uh, very very hard to come by. Yeah, very, very cool that those guys were uh, sounding boards for you and somebody that um, had been through this experience and helped you get through it. So, Kyle, if there's somebody listening that is affected the same way or they know somebody that's affected by this in a similar fashion or any fashion for that matter, maybe the message is simple, but what do they need to hear? What's the message they need to hear to help them prepare and, and battle through this? Well, it's a great question. You know, I, I've, I've met so many people through this, through this ordeal that some have made it through, some haven't, but, you know, and there's not one thing you could pinpoint that is going to give you a better or, or, or worse chance. But that being said, it's just a matter of hitting rock bottom and getting your mind right to where, if your mind isn't right and you and you don't think that you're going to make it, then you probably won't. You know, I think that uh, you got to hit rock bottom and you have to put your mind to it that this is not going to beat me, regardless of of, of how bad or, or or what prognosis you have. Basically, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer and had three rounds of chemo and thirty rounds of radiation, but you know, there's people that have it a lot worse and uh, I certainly wasn't going to let it beat me. I wasn't going to let it beat me. That's for sure. Kyle, I know that just keeping in touch with you a little bit throughout the process, you talk a lot about perspective and how your outlooks changed. You talk a lot about, you've, you've told me personally, and I want to say you've said something along these lines publicly that you never realized there was so much you could learn about yourself. I guess like this may be a really difficult question too, but as you look back on what you've been through to this point, what can you say like big picture? What, what have you learned? What can you take away from it? Let's just take like a racing perspective, which is what, you know, you, most of us, uh, me, you, Jared, Mark Romeo, we know racing more than anything. And, you know, first race back, I'm at a, uh, the NHRA national event in Arizona. You know, they had some bad weather and, and, uh, Bottom line is, is that they told all the sportsmen you're getting one time run, right? It goes to the pits like wildfire. Hey, this is terrible. How can they give us one run? You know, this and that. And shit, here I am. I'm, I'm in a brand new car to me. Hardly, I had a couple of test runs. And, you know, I'm just happy as a clam that I'm even at the racetrack, let alone 
complain about making one run prior to first round. And I think it's just that kind of sums up in a nutshell, it's just perspective that here we are doing uh, out here racing and, and doing something we love that is a bonus that a lot of people don't have the opportunity of, of even don't even have a chance to have that uh, type of opportunity and, you know, kind of lose perspective. Here you are complaining about making one run down the track prior to first round. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, that pretty much sums it up that, uh, you just need to be grounded from time to time to have a little bit better perspective is all. Yeah. Sometimes we think we got problems. We don't have problems, do we, bud? Yeah. Yeah. We got that right. Well, Kyle, man, this, uh, we appreciate it so much. You taking some time to, to take us on your journey. You sound great. You look great. And just super proud of you, man, for, for what you battled through and will continue to battle through. And I know I speak for everybody when we say we believe in you and just keep fighting. Get through it, man. We can't wait to see you next week at the, the Spring Fling Million. It's going to be amazing. Yep, I appreciate it, guys. I definitely turned the corner, and uh, like Luke said, that I think the key word for today is perspective. And uh, anybody listening, I think I don't care who you are, that uh, perspective uh, uh, is something that you don't want don't want to lose track of for sure. Just for clarity, like what is the current state or diagnosis? Like I assume this is something you're me dealing with the rest of your life, but what is the latest? You know, it, basically, I see my surgeon every two months. And this will be his determination if he wants to get some scans done and such. But I guess the bottom line is, is that for the next five years, the surgeon tells me that uh, if I could go five years without any type of uh, cancer popping up, then, then, then you know, uh, in quotes, I'm pretty much home free. But between now and then, I'll see him every two months and uh, for, for the first year at least. And then if we get through that, then that two months time frame goes to six months. And then if we get through that, then that six months time frame goes to once a year. But essentially, that's the program that I'm on. Uh, so uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed every time I see him that nothing will pop up, and and uh, that's that's pretty much where I'm at. We'll all do the same for you, my friend. We're all pulling for you. And again, if there's anybody in the world that'll whip it, it's big nasty. Ain't no doubt in our mind. So. While I'm thanking you for your time and, and your, your sharing your story with us, you know we're not done. You know that no, traffic fire. Oh, boy. Yep, here it comes. I can only imagine what you've got for me. <laughs> so we're going to lighten the mood just a little and uh, ask you a few questions, and you give us your answers. You know how it works, and Luke will be up first. Uh, yeah, right. normally this is this is a quick back and forth, you know the deal. I have a feeling that this first one might just elicit a little bit more explanation. And just on behalf of everyone listening, we're fine with that. Kyle okay, Seibel, here we go. Most embarrassing moment at the racetrack. Wow. There's been quite a few. I mean, I'm going <laughs> up at the racetrack. Most embarrassing moment at the racetrack. Uh, well, I don't have a Peter Biondo left in reverse in my high school. <laughs> You know, 10,000 people watching. Boy, I should have been more prepared for this. Most embarrassing moment at the racetrack. Uh, I'm going to say that we have to go back to that one. I'm going to think about that. 
Okay. You know, we don't normally give people a pass, but you get a pass. So we'll come back to question number one. <laughs> Think about that while you're answering these. Kyle, what is one of your talents that would surprise us? I pride myself, you're not going to believe this, but I actually pride myself on getting better if it's in business or at the races every single time. So in other words, Justin Lamb and I have been racing for quite some time. I'm trying to instill this, which I I think he has a a good handle on now, which he didn't uh, in his early years. But no matter if it's putting on a race at Sonoma, putting on the spring fling, or me going down the track, I try to learn from, from my mistakes to where, I try not to blame circumstance or try to blame the race car. I try to get the understanding of what just happened. So it won't happen again. And I, most times I won't say all the time, but most times I try to find out how I could make myself a better manager, a better driver, a better person to where I won't do that again. Okay. Fair enough. Back to me. Boxers or briefs? I'm a boxer brief. I'm a boxer brief. A little bit of both, bud. Oh, man, speaking right to my heart. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew the answer to that. <laughs> don't ask me yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Please, please what is your least favorite venue? Now, typically you wouldn't do this on air, but if it's your least favorite, who cares? Least favorite venue meaning like a racetrack? Or? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm sorry. I meant racing venue. Least favorite racing venue. I mean, where's that one place you just can't win around? Just, I mean, just hate going there, or dread it, not hate it. That means you're too good at racing. No, I, I'm trying. I, no, I'm not. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> um, you and I live the same movie, movie, Jared. Uh, we, our racing legacy uh, precedes us to where we don't. Recently, uh, it. Uh, <laughs> Our, our legacy supports us. It's like our track record recently doesn't support the legacies, but uh, yes, uh, you're following me. But once again, I don't have an answer for you. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. There isn't one track that I just dread going to. Uh, I don't have an answer. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll help you out. I hate Rockingham enough for both of us. Yeah. All right. There you go. There you go. Kyle, you have uh, you have been known. You just have fun, right? I've said on the podcast before, like it's not fair when you win because you have more fun than anybody at the track, and then you win too. Like the two don't, they shouldn't go hand in hand like that. Got it. So, yep, I tried to. Along those lines, like fun at the track, fun away from the track, like just fun, right? That I think that's probably your legacy as much as anything, which is a cool legacy to leave. (laughs) Along those lines, like. Maybe not even the the best hang to hang with because like you, you've you've hung out with everybody across the country, but maybe like the sneaky good hang, like somebody you look at and go like, I don't know about going out with that guy, and then you get back from the track and like that was the coolest night ever. Like who would just surprise you as like being really fun to go hang out with? I met him back in the 1991, and we've become best of friends since. Uh, and you know, it's probably Jake Coffin Jr. Jake Coffin Jr. is. Uh, from a public perspective, he's very professional and he, he's, he's very methodical and he's a great driver, which, which are all true. But when you get him behind the scenes, he's probably one of the most fun and funniest people that you'll ever, ever encounter. He, him and I, the way our personalities uh, work are like peanut butter and jelly. I, I could, 
he's probably uh, the one that most people wouldn't probably think he's like a straight arrow, let's just say. But he he loves to have a good time without a doubt. <laughs> no surprise there. Now we'll circle back to number one. You might not have an answer still, but I would think to me, because of the way you just duped Peter Biondo out of the win with the wreck and go, I would think that should be embarrassing. When you reflect back on how dirty that was, I would think that would be embarrassing to you, Kyle. Yeah, we got him pretty good, didn't we? I mean, the old wreck and go. I mean, yeah, we got him good on the wreck and go. I mean, once again, we'll, we'll go back to perspective. There was a time in my life before I went through this ordeal that that I thought that I was invincible. I truly thought that that nothing nothing could hurt me. Nothing. Uh, uh, I'm an invincible person. And and just to put that into perspective, uh, I'm racing Van Greer's uh, escort. As you had put it during the interview, I was I was wearing the the escort. I just fit it so well. And, you know, uh, I'm looking. I'm. What was was Peter driving your car? What was he driving? I forget. No, he uh, was driving uh, Bubba Bubba 990 yeah. Nova. Yes, Chevy too. And uh, he was catching me a little bit early. This is back when we were a thousand foot. He was catching me a little early, and I said, you know what? And I I didn't even think of this prior, but why don't I just pretend like I'm going to go in his lane? I'm sorry, I'm going to hit him and maybe he'll out the gas or something. And uh, sure enough, that's right. I was in the left lane. I started looking over. He's catching me early. I said, all right, I'm going I'm to not cross the center line and get disqualified, but why don't we just put it over near his lane and see if we can get him to lift? And sure enough, he, he uh, took the bait and uh, I beat him. That, that was that was back in the day where uh, KS thought he was invincible and nothing could hurt him. But, yes, that's a great example, Jerry. <laughs> Here I was thinking the steering wheel rubbing both of your thighs was causing that to happen, but I guess it was you doing yeah. it on your own. <laughs> that was a, yeah, the car was point. appropriately named Tension. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I love it. Kyle, again, thank you so much. Uh, obviously, your story was not easy to share. My mind's pretty simple, but I believe it's healthy to share it. And I know you've helped someone with your story tonight. We can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing it with us. Always great to talk to you. Again, man, we love you. We're all pulling for you. And I can't wait to hug that ugly head of yours next week at the Spring Fling Million. Yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, you and Luke. And uh, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, hopefully somebody listening to this show, uh, it will help them out. And uh, I was hoping I wouldn't get so emotional. But uh, it's definitely raw. It's still raw for me. And uh, I certainly appreciate the time, guys. Yeah, man. Have a good night. What's left of it? And we will see you next week. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a huge show, bud. All right. Appreciate it, guys. All right, Kyle. See you, man. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day.
This week's podcast is brought to you by Bill Taylor Enterprises. BTE is a manufacturing, design, and support company that specializes in high-performance automatic transmission assemblies and components for drag racing, off-road, marine, and street performance. With over 50 years of experience in drag racing, BTE has been a trendsetter and innovator, placing themselves and their customers ahead of the pack. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck just to try my luck. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. <laughs>